Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Deb Flaschenberg. I'm your host for Yoga Birth Babies, and today we have an incredibly important and essential and very timely conversation with Terry Richmond. She is a very experienced labor support doula. She's been to somewhere between eight or 900 births. She's a childbirth educator. She's one of the founders of Labor Love, and she also happens to be my mentor and friend. And we are talking about pregnancy and birth and postpartum in the time of coronavirus. If you you are pregnant, you probably have some concerns about how to talk to your care provider. If you're about to give birth, what is that going to look like? How do you prepare for that? If you can only have one person in the room with you, what does that look like and how can you continue to advocate for a birth that you feel confident with? Where should you give birth? How do you handle postpartum? Who should be there? How do you have virtual support during all this? And Terry answers all those questions. And in the conversation, Terry and I talk about the very important aspect of taking care of yourself and carving out time to educate yourself and time to get quiet and connected. So just a reminder that she teaches our childbirth ed classes online. And it is so important at this time to make sure you have that support and knowledge. And just a reminder about our online prenatal and postnatal yoga classes. This is a really important time where you might be feeling isolated and disconnected and overwhelmed. And we're continuously looking for ways to be here and support you and create a space that you can start to feel safe. We know that when you're feeling safe, you're feeling calmer and that your body is going to react differently. So I am so excited that we can still show up and be here for you through our yoga classes, through our support, and through this podcast with Terry. She has amazing information. So we're just going to take a super quick break. and we come back, please enjoy this conversation with Terry Richmond. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft. Made with Tencel, it's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Hi, Terry. How are you? Hi, I'm good. I'm so yeah. excited to talk to you. So I think this is our maybe third, fourth, I don't know, third or fourth. It <laughs> doesn't matter. We know, have I'm, a lot of good connections, you and I, many, among podcasts and other things. Many years. So I am really excited that you jumped on this idea to talk about 
dealing with birth preparation, birth, what to expect in a hospital at this time during this coronavirus outbreak. It's, I feel like it's changing every day. So let's just jump in. Um, let's just first, because I know you well. I've known you for I know, 18 years. Um, <laughs> but Except me. that's amazing since we're 32, but go ahead. <laughs> Since we don't look at I hope I didn't tell that joke last podcast. Okay, moving on. <laughs> so just tell people a little bit about yourself. Okay. Hi. I'm Terry Richmond. I've been a doula for, yes, 18 years um, and a childbirth educator. I have a son who's 19, which is what how I kind of got involved in this. Um, I, uh, yeah, I teach the childbirth education program at Prenatal Yoga Center. I, um, go to births. I've been to over 800 or 900. I don't know. I stopped keeping track. Um, I'm very blessed to uh, get to share that experience with everyone. So I'm going to be talking today, answering all of Deb's questions, but I just want to highlight, I have a doula partner named Catherine Stewart Lindley. We are laborlove.org. She is remarkable. And most all of the wisdom I'm offering is coming from either her or my other dear colleagues I'm in close touch with as we all gather together, which I highly recommend um, virtually, to <laughs> Um, to kind of get through this. So Banu DeCares, Sarah Pancake, Corey Plune, Mary Esther, Malloy, I'm going to forget somebody. Oh, beautiful, Annette Perel. Do you so feel like it, this is your Oscar speech? I'm going to forget I, so somebody. This is my Oscar speech, but I really want to say that um, there's a lot of amazing women out there who want to be helpful, and I also don't want to take too much credit for anything you learned today. Okay. All right, so thanks for getting that out there. Um, all right, let's just jump into this, and I feel like we're going to try to get this podcast out tomorrow, but yeah. literally within days of airing it, we never know. Things can change. Let's just yeah. go with what we know now. So Deb, yeah. I want to say what you just said is really brilliant already off the top. What we know now is the best thing to be dealing with. I think a huge problem we're having right now is looking out and looking forward. So being present, taking this one day at a time, making today's plan is a very, very helpful thing to be doing right now. So I agree. Go ahead. Thank you. So I guess um, you're still there supporting people during labor, which is amazing. Let's talk about what pregnant people can expect during pregnancy right now. What are you, how are you supporting your clients when they're calling you and they're concerned, greatly concerned? So what's going on in terms of the care pregnant people can expect right now? Yeah, I think, you know, obviously we're all going through these, you know, huge transitions of what is a doula's role? Uh, how will this look if I can't have a doula physically with me? Is there any point? And what thankfully doulas are realizing is, oh, wait, all of our knowledge and our ability to connect with people and hear them and, and calm them and find solutions for them is absolutely still intact. Mm-hmm. I would say, and what we're hearing from clients and and possible clients and humans is that we are helping them tremendously just by speaking with them. And we are doing FaceTime much more than just talking because we're really trying to connect. Um, And we are looking at, yes, remotely doulaing people. And one of my colleagues has already done this and, and we are finding it profoundly helpful. It is not what it was before, but there is something unpredictable about birth every time you do it. So we are under some current circumstances that change certain expectations of how you will labor and birth. But let's keep in mind, we never knew exactly what your labor and birth would look like. And so 
being going back to being present, you know, that is a profound tool. And I think doulas have a really important job regardless. And I'm not, I, I really, I'm not saying that just to, you know, try to save my business. I'm saying it because so far with this group of colleagues and myself, and we're talking about the clients we're talking to, and we've all been talking to tons of clients, um, we're hearing them go, okay, I feel better. Okay. I feel better. And guess what? As a doula, that's all I ever want to do is for my clients, the people that I interact with my students to feel better. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think there's great value, but yes, we're moving into remote models. You know, Cuomo's announcement for Sunday is a question. Are we physically going to people's houses in early labor? Um, is that, you know, I will say personally for me, um, having been through the circumstances of people, possible exposure, all of that, um, I feel very, very concerned about walking into an apartment of someone and possibly without knowing it, bringing them illness. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I can be doing, you know, the most perfect kind of quarantine here, but I, I cannot know for sure. And also how am I getting to them and all of that? So, you know, really talking honestly with people, isn't it better that I am, is it better that I'm just online with you? Is that our ideal model right now? Just for everyone's safety, because I'm not as worried about me, of course, right. I could have some exposure. I'll probably be fine, but I, I cannot, for me, it, you know, the idea that we could be bringing things to each other. So can you, can you go to someone's home and do social distancing doula? Like these are questions that we're asking. Um, and you know, if we're asked to be a primary partner, for instance, what does that mean? It means really two weeks of quarantine after that for us as doulas, right? I, I can't go in good faith to someone's apartment if I've been at the hospital. Um, and if someone needs me as primary, because here again, and I'm running through a lot of stuff, feel free to interrupt. Yeah. Um, we had a doula go to a birth right as things were picking up because the husband had a cough and he was not allowed to partner. And I, I, you know, I put these things out there knowing people will hear it and it sounds scary, but this is about preparation and, and really making wise choices for you and the baby and your health. And then the healthcare workers who really deserve as much protection as possible. Um, so a lot of, a lot of moving parts. Well, I'm going to, yeah, we're going to break some of that down, but do you know, so from talking to your clients, Mm -hmm. what has been changing or has anything been changing? I'm assuming it has when they're just seeing their primary care, um, not primary, like their OBGYN or midwife, what's changing on that level? Yeah. And that's interesting because your questions were good guidelines for me to think about some things I hadn't. So the major thing we're seeing is that um, you were only allowed one partner, right? Like that has been a shift. And though at first our reaction was, that's crazy. You know, we've come to understand that protecting healthcare workers is the most important thing. And that is a hugely important and protecting each other. Mm-hmm. So that is huge. Right now, uh, I would say basically all the hospitals that we're dealing with have gone to single partner, right? There may be exceptions, but there aren't many that I know of. And that is true in New York City, at least. Um, In terms of care, so I was on a birth Saturday. Today is Saturday. I was on a birth, you know, a week ago. Um, and I was on a birth the week before that, right. When mm-hmm. things were starting to bubble, but last Saturday we were, you know, Broadway had closed. We were into a lot of changes. Um, there was absolutely nothing different, nothing different. And, um, I have found, um, 
when talking with people who've done birth since virtually, that the clients are finding nothing different either other than that rule, which is sort of unsettling, actually, right? Um, I know there's a shortage of masks, but I would think that, you know, the staff would be masking and, and taking different precautions than normal. They don't seem to be. And I'm not saying that as a judgment against them, but excuse me, nothing has looked different other than that. We are changing how often you go in for appointments, right? There are changes that way. But in terms of the labor and delivery floor thus far, what has been told to us is, listen, labor and delivery floor is a healthy area, right? We don't have sick people there, hopefully. Um, And so they have not made a lot of changes. What we don't know is as the hospitals become more burdened, what this is going to look like. And of course, as more care providers in labor and delivery need to quarantine themselves, right? So I think one of the things that has always, again, been an issue in our hospitals is busyness of the staff. That is a common thread. And this is where I want to, again, draw parallels to like, we never know what this is going to look like, right? I really want us to keep in perspective also that Everything hasn't changed. Birth is beautifully unpredictable, and this will continue to be true. And who's going to help us when we show up at the hospital and how busy it's going to be and what's going to go on? All of those things were going to be true regardless, right? So from from the hospital perspective, how yeah. – I mean, I know – I'm going to speak – I haven't been to birth in a while, but yeah. you know, it's pretty yeah. direct. You go in, you go in the elevator, you go up and you go in. Like, are there – I remember there's one time I was actually at Mount Sinai East where yeah. we couldn't even get upstairs yet. And we were downstairs in the waiting room. Like, how are they keeping people really, really separate? And do we know, is the staff being, is there any floating at all? I don't know the answer to those questions. I think we would have to talk to a labor and delivery nurse, for instance. But yeah. I will say that we have had people in the hospital in the last couple of days, and they have said nothing felt different I, differently. Um, you know, I told my clients, if you're in the waiting area, you know, wipe everything down, keep your social distance. But there's nobody there directing that, mm-hmm. right? And when you think about, say, semi-private triage rooms, for instance, at a lot of our hospitals, yeah, there's a curtain between you, but you are within three feet of another bed. Um, And so I think that the thing to do is in your appointments ahead, be speaking with your doctor about what's going on, what protocols are they taking, are they able to take, and then get really clear about what you should take for yourself, which is, you know, probably things like masking, even though they're saying, hey, if you're not sick, don't mask. I think until you have a private room, I would be inclined if I'm going into that environment and I'm a pregnant woman to mask. So let's actually jump into that topic of what kind of questions do you think someone should be talking to their care provider about before even birth starts, just so they have a sense of also what's been taken off the table. We know it's only one person, at least in our area. What else may have been taken off the table um, as an option or has anything, but just like, how can they prepare and what should they be asking? Well, I think that's what's tricky, right? I think, listen, our doctors are more burdened than ever. And what I am finding is a huge wide range of how they're talking to their clients, right? Some of my clients are getting an email. Here's the update. This is what's going on. They're very updated. Others are going to an appointment and I'm like, let's talk after your appointment. I'm waiting for them to get the bad news. And the doctor doesn't even mention the change in protocol. So I do think we have to be proactive, but I also think we have to know that it is evolving, right? So if you're due in April and May, they're very different expectations than if you're due in June or July or August, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I would simply ask, 
what are the different protocols, right? What, what you're asking, what can I expect is different for the hospital and for my care, but also what is the system you have for keeping me up to date? Because let's face it, we are, even if you're seeing them once a week, things are evolving, right? And also I think it is going to be a burden on the um, staff to be making each appointment with their, their, their patient three and four times as long. This has always been an issue that doctors get about two minutes due to health insurance, you know, to spend with, with patients. So, you know, maybe they can encourage them to have a daily update or, you know, a whatever, an email that goes out to every patient. I think that I would really like it if our patients were getting up-to-date information because it's been really interesting chasing down, particularly the one-person protocol. Um, the Columbia Presbyterian hospitals were slow to get there. So all the other hospitals are gone. And then we had like three days where very conflicting information in the office and the hospital. We're talking to labor and delivery nurse on the floor and she's saying, well, maybe we'll hear at 10 a.m. That's when we hear things. But right now we'd let you in right? I mean, it's very fluid. So I would like to see the doctors and midwives having a little better, clearer protocols for updating their patients, Mm -hmm. and that will make it easier for everyone. And then is there anything we should be advising people to do once they get into the... um into the room. So you said like just wiping in the, in the waiting room, wiping everything down, you know, so people are going, you know, there's blood pressure cuffs, there's everything. There's a lot of touching. There's just so much touching and, you know, do they wipe down the stethoscope every time or I'm not that listen to us, you know, whatever, just like every, all the different touching that goes on. I mean, obviously yeah. bring your own birth ball, which I've always said, um, right. like, always, you know, always. Um, but just in yeah. general, there's just so much, what else can we do to help someone feel just confident? I guess one of the things that we really want to do is go back to what we've always wanted. Can you feel safe and confident? Cause we know what's going to happen if they're feeling unsafe, what, how the right. body is going to react. In fact, total exactly. side note, total side note, my brain's going this direction. <laughs> I'd course. be curious to see if we have a spike in um, induction and C-section and pit use because it, we know what happens hormonally if mm-hmm. we're feeling anxious the body yeah. just closes up. Like, it's like, I, yeah. I don't feel safe. I can't birth. So that's a total side note, but. <laughs> well, it's a side note that I really wanted to get to, but let me say this. I think actually inductions are going to go down, which we're all thinking well, is good news, induction, right? induction, but I guess more like it's not but starting. Cesarean. So yeah, so cesarean yeah. and, and um, so, augmentation because they get yes. there and they're like, we've got to get you going. Out. Yeah. Right. Um, so you're bringing up a couple important things, and I want to make sure I cover all of them. Okay. What should they do at the hospital? Everything that helps them to feel safe. I think all the kind of I understand we're trying to like bring up to speed a lot of people, students, and all of that. But if there are extra people coming in the room, it is absolutely appropriate to ask them to keep a good distance from you. Social distancing still applies at the hospital, right? Um, I think you can absolutely check in. A nurse walks in the room. A doctor walks in the room. Be rude. I'm sorry. Did you? Did you? you know, did you do your hands? Right. And, and they do, and they're worried and they want to keep themselves healthy. So I think the protocols are in place for them, lowering, lowering risk, but you can absolutely be proactive about that. But it is true that the laboring woman feeling safe, uh, and and relaxed as much as one can during labor is essential for the hormonal, you know, um, hormonal process to work, right? And I think this is where it's very important to think about what makes you feel safe and intimate and connected. And one of the things I've been working on with my clients, and and maybe we can 
um, make it available. I, you know, I have like what I've called the oxytocin relaxation. And if you're in a partnership, it is a relaxation you start doing together that is specific to you guys. It isn't like, I'm not asking your partner to become like the, you know, the relaxation guru. It's really about you guys taking time each day, each night to do some conscious relaxation around a memory that's really happy for you. Right. Um, but layering onto that, a nice smell, layering onto that, your favorite pillow, layering onto that, the electric candles, the certainly some white noise or music that you can take because think about all of those things as I practice and all of those things together, my partner's touch, my partner's voice, a place that we're going to go in our imagination together, right? A honeymoon night. And then the smell and the sound and the soft lights and the squishy pillow. I can bring all of that to the Mm -hmm. hospital. And so I would love to move us out of what am I doing with each person that walks in the room? What am I? And move us into getting in a bubble with whoever is your birth partner, getting to a place where you feel cozy and safe as much as possible and having familiarity and having familiarity means bringing down the lights, making it smell good, make sure the sounds in the room are not ones of other people on the labor floor, but your chosen sounds, making sure that you're, you know, ideally connected to a human who is helping you to be in a happy, safe place as much as possible. So yes, I want you to take precautions, but I think the overriding theme that I'm working on with my clients is what, how do we create intimacy? How do we create safety for mom? How do we release the love hormone as much as possible? And how do we practice that and take that to the hospital? What layers are there to it? Well, I love that you said that because I'm, and I'm hoping that people are hearing this and being like, yes, because hopefully this is what we're doing regardless, you know, creating right? that. Yeah, right. We're just, I call it setting the stage, you know, we're just, and then yeah. I, and then I also call it circling the wagons. Like we're creating this, <laughs> we're creating yeah. this space for that laboring person just to pretend no one else exists. Uh, It does put a lot of responsibility. And we can talk about how the virtual doula in a second, but it does put extra responsibility on the partner that's there. Yes, it does. (laughs) um, Because it's asking them to have this at the ready when for them... You know, they're they're taking the place of they're taking that role of the doula. Again, we'll talk about the virtual doula in a moment, but they're having to understand the whole process of birth, what is safe, like what how to read signs of what this person's saying and doing and being like, Oh, those are normal sounds. The, that's mm-hmm. normal. Oh, she's feeling helpless or apprehension. Totally right. normal. So it right. it is asking a lot. So I guess let's in let's shift into Can I speak to that? Yes, please, please, please. I want to say, you know, something I talk about a lot in class and I kind of start with it is for partners um, and, and to remind them that a loving partner already has the skills they need for this job. And yes, there are going to be, you know, these technical things and there's going to be a lack of understanding about labor, but you have a doctor to call, you have a nurse to reach out to and have her come in the room. They are always going to understand this process much more. So, I think it's really important that partners remember their sole, their primary, right? Their most important job for the bulk of the labor is that loving partner, a job they already know, right? Mm -hmm. That I think is is something you want to connect because it's just like what's happening now with this kind of um, epidemic for all of us at home. We are so pulled in so many directions and we're not centering ourselves. Right. Um, I'm amazed that I'm checking in with my clients and I'm having the same problem. So I understand 
But if ever there was a time for us to be like, yes, I'm carving out a half hour to, you know, be quiet, be intimate, to breathe, to connect, to talk to my baby, whatever, now is the time. And so in labor, it's really important that the partner doesn't get pulled into, oh my God, I have to be this birth professional. I have to answer these questions. I have to protect her from the hospital. Actually, your most important role is that intimacy, is that safety for her, is that connection. And then asking questions and a very, you know, I'm doing more written birth plans for my clients that are specific for them to simplify things for the partner. Don't forget your three questions. Is the laboring woman okay? Is the baby okay? Can we have more time, right? Mm -hmm. Can we have more time just because I, I really want to take the pressure off the partner to yeah. think they have to solve everything. That's so great. Yeah. Because I can imagine they do have a lot of pressure. And I know that yeah. Um, yeah. I can imagine at this time, as I was writing these questions up and thinking of it, doulas, even though you can't be in there, I would think people are reaching out to doulas even more now because they want support. I know that yeah. home birth midwives are getting, I actually had a student ask me the other day, I was doing one of the on stream, the live stream classes. And she asked me after, she's like, so I'd like to have a home birth midwife as a contingency plan. What do you think of that? I'm like, oh, that, that, that may not work. Um, it's like, not working for the home birth midwife. No, I'll tell you I'm like, cause they need to, you can't just show up, like call and be like, Hey, come on over. They need to know your background. They need to screen you and see if you're even should be like, let's yeah. also yeah. super quickly discuss like home birth is a great option for, for a very low risk person. It's right. not open. It's not just an alternative to the hospital. Like someone really has to be screened and there has to be a level of trust. Yes. So yeah, I know yes. the home birth midwives are not not thrilled. Have you have you seen the statement the New York Home Birth um, dot com dot org? I posted they, it. I did a link right, to it. You posted it. it. Yeah, I mean, it's perfect. It sums it up. Do you want to um, explain it since I opened that door? Yeah, just to say that the home birth midwife community is definitely doing all they can to support um, people through this. And at the same time, everything you just said about you choose home birth because you believe in home birth is still true. And because they need relationships with their clients, because they need trust and faith that it is the right environment for people. Not that they're running away from a hospital, but that they're choosing home birth. Um, and they rightfully say, if your decision initially was that you felt safer in a hospital, we really think your your um, best um, focus is to try to find ways to make that hospital experience um, everything you want, which might be including, you know, how you're working with your partner, leaving very quickly, right? Not staying a day or two, but even maybe 12 hours, things like that, making sure you're laboring at home and, and all of that. And, and yeah. So that's a brief summary. They put it very eloquently and very well on New York Home Birth, um, their COVID statement. But yeah, no, I'm glad you. I'm glad we were able to slip into that. All right, I, where was I going before with this? Oh, virtual doula. So yeah, sure. <laughs> so all right. So you have your client. Um, you've been working with your client. You are doing a lot of checking in. I love that you're getting the birth plan. I think that's great. I think that's something that everyone should be doing. You know, if they think about questions that might come up, um, really have that deeper conversation, be open to the understanding that the birth plan may change, but more about questions that help create that protect safety. But after that, how do you support them when they're actually in labor? Yeah. I mean that, uh, if, you know, part of that is, that's a good question. Like if we're looking at an exclusively virtual model and keep in mind, we're talking about, can doulas be home 
with them in early labor, which would be ideal. But is that safe? So I don't know, right? We haven't made, I think that's doulas are making different choices about that. Couples are too, right? If I can't guarantee that I'm perfect, even as I've tried to stay healthy, do you want me to come to your home? Blah, blah, blah. Okay. So if we're speaking exclusively as a virtual model, um, we're finding you know, first of all, we need practice, right? We need to practice our FaceTiming. Um, we need a stand for the phone or or the iPad or however you're going to be communicating with us. And different couples are going to relate to us differently. Certainly one of my colleagues had someone who just called here and there, right? And, and you know, we're ready to like sleep next to our computer and, and do what we usually do, which is watch every moment of your labor and answer every question and, and, and do that. So, I'm hoping I have a couple being induced on Tuesday and they're third timers and I've worked with them a lot, done both their babies. Um, we have a strategy, we have a stand for the iPad. Um, because, Oh, what I want to say is what, um, the first couple that I'm referring to with my uh, partner ran into the, the dad was holding the iPhone, showing things, holding it for his wife to talk to the doula, all of this. And that didn't work at all because the doula was saying, Hey, would you do this? Would you do that? He's got one hand on the iPhone and he doesn't have hands free to do anything. So there are clips to put your iPhone in there, are you know, stands, um, those things actually really matter so that you can be hands-free so we can have a view. You know, what I'm hoping for for Tuesday and what I asked my couple for and they thought it was fine was there will be a table next to their bed on the side of their bed. The iPad will be there and it'll be perched and I will have a full view of my client. And, you know, we were laughing also because she is someone who prefers to use an epidural and at her hospital, they kick out both partners. And that's a very scary time for her, that 20 minutes of receiving epidural, have no partner. And I was like, listen, you can have me in your lap, right? I'll be looking right up at you. I'm going to talk you through it. Um, and I thought, oh, finally, I'm going to get in on these epidural, you know, placements. I don't know how the nurses and doctors are going to feel about it. We've talked about making sure that the doula gets introduced, right? So we're not just lurking. Um, a huge problem for the doulas is going to be when we're talking to our clients and someone comes in the room and we don't know right? Um, we need to know because we do talk differently to our clients when there's no nurse or doctor in the room. Um, you know, I, I would like to think I'll be able to be a virtual presence all the way through, uh, no matter what, but it's going to really be client led. Right. And if she's resting on her epidural and they don't want to be watching that that's fine, you know, it's just that we're going to make ourselves available like we do, whether we're physically there or present in, in through the computer. Um, I, I think it can make a huge difference and already we're feeling it in the meetings. We're feeling the emotional connections and we're feeling the value, both of us. I'm starting to trust that I can use my skills and the clients are starting to trust that they will receive them. Right. Are so you practice. doing in your prenatals, um, more FaceTime about supporting the partner? If yeah. there was an expectation <laughs> yeah. about the physical, because I know yeah. um, I, I often came back from births with my arms feeling like yeah, I was exactly. at the gym, or yep. sometimes I started shifting to my legs. Um, are you, so you're doing more like, here's where your hands should go. Let's yeah, talk absolutely. about, you know, um, <laughs> like as I said, so I'm like jiggling nothing. Shaking like the, the apples. <laughs> yeah, like the shaking the apple, apples and the adjusting the pelvis. Like, sure. so is are we? Are you getting more hands on Definitely. so that the partner's more confident in their yeah. touch? 
Yeah, we're definitely, you know, we're all, uh, my colleagues and I are all like, okay, I made up all these new materials. I've sent this. I, I have like a, now a sheet where I talk through some of the things we've touched on here. Like the most important job you have as a partner is the love hormone, right? Um, gateway pain control theory, your three questions, you know, a cheat sheet for the dads. Um, I am doing the birth plan. I'm doing more just demonstrating ahead of time. I'm sending them sheets that have positions on them. So I can say, mm. go to page two. Look at the second line. See where she's sitting on the chair in that way? That's what I want you to do. So, yeah, can I demonstrate that from here? I can, but also just trying to streamline some of this stuff. So we have a language together. We have documentation together. Um, I'm going through even the packing list that we give them. So because they're like, oh, why am I buying this? What is this for? Right? So I want to say, oh, these are the things we're going to use that for. I do feel, you know, it's naive to think that I will be able to do everything I do. And therefore, yes, I'm trying to to, we're doing a lot more talking, right? And, and everyone needs it. We're all stressed. Um, so we're doing a lot more talking. Have you run into a situation yet, Grant, this has only been like a week, yeah. um, where you know that baby's malpositioned and you have to start pulling out some of that? Because that takes a different skill. Of course. Um, you know, so... Well- I'm still yeah. being really proactive with my clients, right? Although here's the thing, um, and maybe obviously for your listeners, catch them up. If I have concerns that a woman has injuries or chronic issues with her pelvis or hips or tailbone, I am going to send her to physical therapy, chiropractic, yes. massage, acupuncture, yeah, yeah. and try to address that. Beforehand, um, well beforehand. Beforehand, yeah. well beforehand. And then if the baby isn't lined up in labor, right, we have all kinds of techniques. And if you're already panicking about any of this news, you go to spinningbabies.com. Oh, and- guys, so totally. I'm just going to insert this. Um, yeah. I just did another podcast with Gail Tully, right, right, right. who I'm obsessed with. Mm-hmm. Um, so... <laughs> so listen to that. So listen to that. And that will give listen some good stuff. Um, so what I'm saying is obviously we're still being proactive, but we don't have some of the tools we had. We're looking ahead like, oh, what if I can't send her to my favorite physical therapist? What are we doing? But yeah, I have not had the opportunity yet to be virtually doulaing and have somebody um, needing a baby reposition, which usually, yes, involves a lot of some hands-on and also a lot of kooky positions, which I think I can do, but that's part of why I've been wondering, can I do presence in their home, but social distancing, right? Could I be in their home and therefore a little easier to be acting out, making suggestions, leading them through things, but really keep six feet away and, and, you know, things like that. Can I guide the partners that way? Could I be physically present, but keep them safe? You know, there's, I don't know. These are, these are questions that I'm still asking. Yeah, no, this is big. Hey, I want to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to get back to, I'm still very interested in how we can talk about the spinning babies and incorporate that into the birth. So we'll take a super quick break. When we come back, a little more spinning baby talk. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, we're back. Again, my obsession with spinning babies. And again, hopefully um, <laughs> a lot of this is 
the baby will be aligned from yeah. hopefully, you know, if they're listening to this podcast, uh, maybe the prenatal classes we teach, cause our methodology is deeply rooted in spinning babies. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, catching this beforehand. Exactly. So that, that makes a huge difference, <laughs> but you know, even with all the prep, you know, stress, we know stress can tighten the body. And especially if sure. you think of like that, that psoas muscle, like that's a yeah. stressor and we yeah. know if that's tight, that can torque. So, uh- Again, I know you're still working through this, but is that something like worksheets beforehand? Kind of like you said, like go to page two and look at position <laughs> right, five. Right. Yeah, I think we can do that. I mean, so a couple things. One is I do feel that one of the things I am learning from this virus is that we got, we've got to slow down, right? We've got to slow down. And so... In doing so, I think we can take an opportunity to prepare differently for our labors and births than we might have, right? I've always tended to be the doula. like, I get it. You're busy, but here's some ideas you get to them. And I frankly expect like 20% of my clients to get to them. Now I am like pleading with people to do programs like Spinning Babies, take it very seriously, right? Do a conscious relaxation together. Do things that are going to empower you and calm you and help you be prepared because it's not only good for the birth, which is only one day, mm-hmm. but it's, it, it's imperative for your body right now that we are de-stressing, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that a thing like spinning babies, programs like that, um, are essential for prepping. Now, I also think, um, listen, epidurals can be a good use in, in rotating a baby that is malaligned when we've tried everything else. Yeah. I can virtually show people how to lunge, how to do hands and knees, how to shake out, but like all of that I can do and I will. Um, but I also think because of the stress, I think realistically more epidurals are going to happen and, that may be fine. That can relax a lot of the physical stress in the body that women are going to be struggling with. Um, so positioning on the epidural is something just, again, going back to talking with my third timer who likes to get an epidural. I was, we went, um, very specifically through the position she should be in when she's on the epidural, the options that I wanted her to have, how her pelvis needs to be open. I think we should encourage more people to bring those darn peanut balls, even <laughs> though they drive me crazy. Um, that's a whole nother thing. Let's but, just take a beat and explain yeah. what that is. So the PYC people know yeah. how when we're at the end of class, we yeah. do sideline relaxation with the knee lower than the ankle. So right. for those that haven't been in class, because you know, this is a podcast that goes everywhere. Right. Um, if you can just explain what that positioning is and what a peanut ball is. So basically when people were getting epidurals for a long time, they mostly put them on their backs or barely a little bit to the side. And keep in mind that the baby, the pelvis, I'm sorry, breathe. The uterus pulls forward for contractions and the positions that make sense physically that facilitate ease of labor and ease of baby rotation are belly forward positions. So when we lay someone on their back, whether they're feeling labor or not, it does not tend to resolve a dysfunctional labor and it can even make dysfunction where there once was good function. And so if I'm comfortable on my epidural, I don't notice. And I lay, I'm lay. i laying on my back because that's easier for monitoring, easier for the staff to keep track of the baby, which is important. Watching the baby is important. But what we know for sure is that a mother can be monitored. The baby can be monitored with mom in literally any position you can imagine. And so what we need to do is make sure that she's in belly forward poses. And on the case, in the case of the epidural, that means 
a sideline over rotated sideline position where you're kind of laying on your belly and also that the pelvis should be open. The legs should not be squeezed tight together. We're inviting this baby down. We're making room. So the peanut ball invented like, Oh, this great gigantic peanut ball that you put between your legs, which is going to allow at a very simple way, allow the pelvis to be open, right? A pillow is going to give you an inch apart. The peanut ball is going to give you, what is it like 12 inches, right? And really open the pelvis and shift things open. Um, and beautifully, they did a study and they said, oh, look, we lowered cesarean rates because we got women rotated over, way over on their sides, not just a little on their sides, but way towards their belly. And we opened their pelvis with the peanut ball. And all I'm saying is the peanut ball itself is not magical, but recognizing what your body needs to be doing, which is belly forward and open pelvis mm-hmm. is magical. It's magical. And an epidural can create relaxation that allows that position to work really, really well. So does that answer is, it? Yes. Yes, yes. I just want um, for everyone to have all these tools ahead of time yeah, and to have this knowledge because, right. you know, the nurse, the nursing staff, the medical staff right now, they're in a state of probably exhaustion and yeah. overwhelmed. Right. So yeah. not to go in and expect right. guidance no. from them. No. Um, it's just, they, it's not available right now. This is super helpful. All right. So yeah. anything else for you about prep for birth and labor and birth before I shift to postpartum. I mean, anything else. I'm sure they've got a fix. I feel good about what we've done so far today. Okay. I mean, because also we're having this conversation. To me, we are very, very early in, right? And I, as a doula of 18 years, and I'm really a creature of habit, I admit that this is, this is an enormous recalculation, enormous to try to um, really share my knowledge ahead of time with with the, the couple um, and with anyone who needs it. Um, in a way that I haven't had to do. I mean, I, you know, it's just different. So I would say it's evolving. I feel like we're learning a lot as doulas and, and as couples and expectant parents, um, but it's going to keep evolving. So check I back. I did actually have one more question. I looked yes. at it. I'm like, oh, I wrote and I want to get there. Okay. What suggestions would you give to someone who's told to labor at home as long oh, yeah. as possible yeah. without a doula to feel confident, calm, and prepared to head to the right. hospital? Because I know that as a doula, you probably had that, like the doula walks in and everyone's right. like, ah, but right. Now you're on your own, and even if no, you're doula, not. You can still have a doula, but, no, but if, if they don't, don't ha- if right. they don't yeah. have a doula, right. that's. Right. That could feel very anxiety provoking. Of course. And I talk about this in my class because plenty of people who take my class don't have a doula. So you really need to. One of the things I would recommend Penny Simpkins comfort oh, measures. Yes right? A great, uh, worthwhile, you can just rent it. Um, and she is a dream, right? Penny Simpkin. So mm-hmm. I would put that on, we're putting that on resource lists. Um, okay. So I have thought about this and I, you know, all of these things I teach, but now I need to like highlight them more, right? I've always said, if you are home laboring and you are unsure of if you can stay home longer, you need to check in with your care provider because as people who attend births all the time, we can tell a lot by just listening to a laboring woman, right? Your doctor, your midwife can, I can, right? We can learn a lot. So when I am on the phone with someone for 15 minutes and she says, I'm contracting every three, and she's talking to me very bubbly, (laughs) I know that even if she says, well, they're kind of intense. And I'm like, are you having one right now? Right. We can tell like, okay, that's early labor, right? That is sensation that is early, even though they're coming frequently, these are very mild contractions. So the doctor can say, 
I know they're every three and it feels like, oh, three, I'm supposed to be in. So the other thing is I be talking, I might be talking with a client and she stops when, you know, hold on a second. And I hear, oh, right. And that is happening every five minutes, right? I have more information. So one is checking with your doctor, remind them that your goal is to stay home, right? Their instincts are always like, well, why don't you come in? We're not doing that. So I want you to check in. Hey, this is what's going on with the labor. This is what we're seeing. They're going to ask you about leaking, baby movement, all of that. And you're going to remind them you're trying to stay home as long as possible. And I would really encourage you to make sure you keep them on the phone long enough to hear a contraction because that makes a huge difference for me. I get a text from the partner. Her contractions are getting more intense, right? Um, And, you know, they are, but the fact is there's a long way to go. So I would say call your doctor as much as you need. Remind them you want to stay home as long as possible. Do keep track on one of those apps so that you can give them information. Nobody needs to time contractions to have a baby, but in this case, we need it for communication purposes. And then see if you can get them on the phone long enough that there's a contraction. And 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 for the partners, don't mute it. Don't take the phone away. We want. I want to hear it. I want to FaceTime and see like FaceTime. I got the stop yeah, drop and doctors roll. Will, right. I don't think doctors will FaceTime. But That's true. Um, I guess like. To see doulas, the movement and you know there's no, that's, like what, that. that's what we would be doing as doulas right thing. i would be already facetiming yeah. exactly your doctors aren't going to facetime that's so true. you know ask them you know can you be on the phone or or you know extend that call a little bit um and if it's you know six seven eight minutes apart they're then not going to stay seven, off, yeah. but you're also six seven eight minutes yeah, apart. then you're fine <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. You start making up questions to be like, you're trying to get to three to four minutes. Right. Right. right, Exactly. How long can I pull this conversation so that we can get back to our contraction? All right, cool. Now I feel ready to move to postpartum, which again has been a question. I asked, I put it out there. I'm like, let me know your questions. And some of them are like, okay, I have the baby, but now I have this brand new baby in a hospital and they feel very anxious about that. So what's, ha- and then one person said that they were told there has to be separation. Baby has to go to the nursery. So what do you no, know? No, no, no. Oh, good, good, are good. Are you speaking of, are you speaking of healthy moms and babies? Yeah, or are you speaking of separation if someone were diagnosed with the virus? No, no, the healthy virus? moms and babies. So I oh my God. The my last students. thing they should be doing is separating, right? The, uh, it, for me, you know, absolute non-separation, keeping that baby skin to skin on either parent next to you out of the kind of range, keeping, you know, social distancing yeah. with the staff. Obviously, the nurses are going to have to check the vitals and check the baby. The pediatrician does that once. All of that should happen in the room. To me, non-separation at this point is Super especially important. important. And then early release, right? Uh, it, it is, you know, uh, insurance companies require are required to give you two nights in the hospital after you deliver vaginally and three for a cesarean. However, um, in a normal good birth, um, the hospitals will be willing to release mom and baby after 24 hours. Mom could leave an hour later, right? You can sign against medical advice and leave, but don't leave without your baby. And so late, you know, many years now, it's been a 24 hour was the earliest I could have my clients leave. We need to push for 12 hours. We need to push for getting out of there sooner. And I know it's scary going home with a new baby, but you're going to have access to a pediatrician, telemed. You want to be home and out of there and you want to keep your baby with you, with you, 
with you and out of the nursery as much as possible. I'm so glad you said that. Yes, some of my students have said that during their conversations, they were told, be prepared for separation. So, um, okay, I haven't heard that, and I would do not. And and now, it no, may I'm glad be, you're saying. I'm glad well, to hear. The only reason I could think of it is if the staffing situation is such that they're like a nurse doesn't have time to go to each room and they want to do rounds, but it absolutely flies in the face of anything that makes sense. Right. And I would just say, absolutely not. And I'm not sending my baby to the nursery. And of course, um, if, if mom is not mobile, you know, partner can always travel and watch if they're like, we just have to do, you know, one big screening in the nursery. It'll take 15 minutes. Great. Partner should go. He should lurk. He or she should watch what's happening and be right there to get the baby right back. What I don't want is, oh, we bring all the babies at eight o'clock and they sit there for three hours in the nursery while the doctor does rounds. We're just not, um, you know, I, I wouldn't do that. Now, that makes me think about um, advocacy and where we have wiggle room and where we don't, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think we also need to understand that the hospitals are under, right, this incredible burden. Um but this is what happens. Busy hospitals do things that work better for the hospital and not necessarily for you. So you can be compassionate and you can refuse care. You can say, it's okay. I, I don't, I'm not going to have my baby. Um, I, I am going to, you know, um, skip that next exam. I'm going to head home early. I'm going to be talking directly with my pediatrician, right. In a manner that is safer and smaller and out of a hospital and all of that. So I think that you're going to need to advocate hard while also understanding that the staff is, is stressed. Right. So, um, it's just like the doula thing. Our initial reaction was we have to advocate, they need us. And, and that all may be true. But, um, the fact is that these care providers deserve protection as well, which is why I want to keep babies in rooms. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. No, I'm so glad you said that because I heard it came back a couple. It was only two students that said that, but still, I was surprised. So um, that would be a protocol that would be discussed if she were positive for coronavirus at time of birth. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering if that's, but I have not heard that otherwise. And I would argue if they're doing that, then give me my baby. I'm getting out of here. I mean, I would leave as soon as possible. Um, and then, of course, the other thing I, that's on my mind a lot is just transportation, right? Mm-hmm. Calling a car service and labor. Um, taking a car service home, right? That I think, yeah, I've been thinking about a lot. Like if I do have the ability, if a client needs me to join them, for instance, um, how am I getting there? How am I getting back? So trying to have access to a private car, to a family member, a friend, I think even with the new um, guidelines from Cuomo, I think that we, you know, that is something that if you have someone with a car who would be willing to take you that or pick you up, that, that is huge. And for a lot of my clients postpartum, you know, um, having postpartum doulas come in and out, having a baby nurse, having people you don't know about their exposure is obviously a huge worry. So for clients that have family members outside the city, um, we're talking about as soon as this baby's born and you're ready to leave, you get in somebody's car and you go straight to outside the city where there are family members who you know have quarantined for at least two weeks. You can all sort of quarantine tech, you know, quote unquote together and really protect the space around this baby, but give more help to the new parents because, um, 
I think that's going to be an issue, right? Um, how the how everyone's going home, and and certainly all of us who who can will be helping lactation consultants, postpartum doulas, baby nurses. But we have to consider exposure and all of that. So well, I was going to also mention that I know a lot of lactation consultants. It's not quite the same um, as them getting their hands and helping you with latch, but a lot of but lactation they, consultants can and are very skilled oh, at virtual, and yeah. that can you gotta be. Have- that can be so helpful, especially if someone, you know, a new parent with a new baby, even right. if they're with, you know, grandparents or whatever, trying yeah. to figure out latch in those first few days, no, especially, absolutely. especially if they took an epidural, because we know that the, there's a certain amount of fluid the body retains, but like three or four, the nipples can be slightly different and we're yep. kind of get past that hump. So yep. having somebody that can talk you through and, and I mean, we just want to take as much stress down. So you just had yep. a baby. It's a very challenging time. Have that lactation consultant there and whatever, yeah. whatever, uh, I can't speak, whatever other support available. And that's kind of what is amazing at this time that we do have the ability to have virtual support. We do. And I think, you know, look, our, our colleague, Ayala, who does the newborn care and breastfeeding yes. classes at, at prenatal yoga center, I have no doubt that if she were FaceTiming with me, she could get me to breastfeed, you know, a, a stuffed animal if I had to. Like, her skills are so <laughs> remarkable. And I know they translate. And I, um, I absolutely think lactation consultants, postpartum doulas, even virtually are going to be really important because what I see over and over right now is that at the beginning of the phone call with clients, there's enormous stress. And by the end, we have made a lot of progress. And just taking out the stress, is the baby okay? How do I know the baby's getting enough? How do I calm this baby? How do I know what, what you know, what about sleep at night? It's not, you know, it won't get put down, right? All of these things, whether you're having someone come in your home or not, it can be very valuable to have someone with expertise. And I want to say one more thing about that. When I have clients going home to parents, anyway. Um, I worry about philosophical differences in parenting. Um, and I worry that there'll be a lot of stress. (laughs) Yes. There can be a lot of stress on families. So here again, a virtual visit with a postpartum doula or a lactation consultant who can say, Hey, here are the current guidelines. And so the family can say, yes, we're all doing what she said and take some of the stress out of those family dynamics of this is the way to do it. You know, um, I'm just saying some families, you know, have some conflict. Um, I I was raising you. 30 right. something so, years ago. Yeah. Exactly. So even though you have plenty of grown-ups to take care of things, it can be really useful to have an outside source who just answers all the questions. We all agree we're going to go with that decision. Um, I have found that really useful with my clients in the past, and that will still be true. Another last break, but when we come back, I'm just going to ask, is there any last thing that we haven't covered that you've talked about with your clients or just any last words of wisdom for our listeners? We'll be right back. Okay. We covered so much and maybe we covered it all. Maybe we're like, we got it. We got it. And those, and everyone, you know, just, I guess maybe just stay calm, carry on, have a baby. I do, you know, in our break, it was good. I got to have one breath to think. One is I like to remind everyone about the very limited, but very clear studies thus far about no vertical transmission, meaning a mom can have the virus and the baby won't. Mm. Also meaning that they have not found 
any evidence that it's in breast milk. So um, however this goes, breast milk is going to be essential. And again, going back to lactation consultants, breast milk is going to be essential and you will be able to breastfeed your baby. What protocols around that you have to do is a different story. But that is some very important, great news right there. Also, of course, that this, we always want to be incredibly careful, but it does not seem that babies and children are as susceptible to getting sick from this, though they can carry it, right? So I don't want to lessen anyone being incredibly strict, but these are things that are very positive for us in the community. Um, The other thing, and I've touched on it, but it bears repeating, is this is not a time to let yourself be distracted by stress. This is a time to very consciously create space for connection, love, peace, calmness, right? And if you think you don't have time, let's think again to what we were all doing a week or two weeks ago, right? I no longer travel between meetings, right? So there's time there. I no longer go to my exercise class. Okay. I I may try to do it virtually um, and I should, but again, even just taking the travel out of my day, I no longer am having lunch with my friend, right? So yes, I'm building in social time differently, but I encourage people to super prioritize in a way that our culture just wasn't doing very well. Um, super prioritize. I don't know if I like self-care because it's so overworn, but just super prioritize some quiet, intimate, calm time as individuals. And if you're in a couple, as a couple, as a couple, because you uh, going into this have a lot you're going to do together. So building your faith and trust in each other, watching Penny Simpkins comfort measures together, practicing oxytocin relaxation together, you know, building those tools, really building them. Um, which makes me think, you know, something else like maybe, um, looking back at something like hypno babies, right? That's another tool that could be built. That mm. might be something people are interested in. You could definitely learn it virtually and then really work on that. Um, any kind of mind quieting, really, really helpful right now. Okay, that's my thoughts. That, that's great. And that ties very well into what we continue to do in our yoga class. You know, we start with relaxation. Yeah. We end with relaxation because we yeah. want to get centered. We want to still connect to this baby and yeah. and and just build a trust, you know, yeah. Feel that baby, know your body, know your baby, feel your partner. And it, and I love that you kept coming back to that because it is so important. Because yeah. yeah. everything is going to keep swirling around, but we're still trying to cocoon ourselves within that that sense of uh, care and safety and support and connection. So, oh, this was so good. And thank you for making yourself, well, that's before, uh, I mean, after this passes, we still want to know where people can find you in case someone's listening to this and be like, I need that Terry lady. Where can I find her? So um, where can people find Catherine you? And I, Catherine and I are at laborlove.org and I encourage you to reach out um, because we know dozens and dozens of doulas and and many lactation consultants and, and people in all um, all of the areas of, of people who could give you care and help you. Um, and so, yeah, I encourage people to reach out to anyone they're connected to in the birth community and start asking for advice and support. And I also just want to say, maybe it's a little self-serving, don't forget to take your childbirth education class, people, especially, yeah. especially if it's just the two or maybe you're doing this yourself, it's so important to have knowledge so that you can speak and advocate for yourself with the care provider. So oh, especially important now. I mean, I'm looking at my class and I'm thinking, oh, can I make it twice as long? You know? <laughs> um, but yes, I think childbirth education right now, and is it valuable virtually? 
Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Um, and maybe even more comfortable. You're sitting on your couch, sitting wherever. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I'm like, bit, oh, grab I could show a position in my actual bed. I, I will I be doing that, <laughs> right? Like, I will I have my son holding the iPad? I don't know. It's going to be fun. If you're taking my next class, it's going to be an adventure. <laughs> well, I wanted to thank you that I, I reached out to you like two days ago. I'm like, we need to do this. So thank you for making yourself available. Um, you know, we're all home, so why not? <laughs> no, I want you all to know that Deb reaches out like, I want to talk about these things. And I'm like, of course, honey, we can always talk. And then I, it dawns on me, oh, she wants to talk about it where people will listen to us. <laughs> Okay. I'm always a happy listener to absorb your knowledge. So thank you for your time and your generosity of your knowledge. Thank you for doing it. And uh, let's plan to do another one down the line. Okay. All right. Be well. All right, love. Bye. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening.